Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner, joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin. Later in the podcast, we'll hear from Cole Perfetti, the Saginaw Center, who could wind up in Detroit with the fourth overall pick. But first, Ted, the Dallas Stars are in the Stanley Cup final for the first time in 20 years. They advanced with a 3-2 overtime win over Vegas last night to take that series four games to one. You had Vegas in the final way back, and they came close and played well, but ran into Anton Kadobin, the goaltender, who stopped more than 95% of the shots. What was the difference in your mind between Vegas, a really strong team that you had going a long ways, and this right. Dallas team, which is you know back in the final? It's almost like they're the team of destiny, aren't, aren't mm-hmm. they, Mark? I mean, they're just they're they're a team built for the playoffs. They really are. That they have been for the last couple of years. Big, strong. I mean, their defense is really good. They're getting the goaltending now. I mean, I've never, to be quite honest, I've never been a huge Bowden fan. But how can you not mm-hmm. like the way that he's playing here in the playoffs? I mean, he's taken over the reins from Ben Bishop and done a super job. They're getting timely scoring. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, team of destiny. I still don't think <laughs> if, they run, <laughs> if they run into Tampa, I still cannot see them beating Tampa. But, heck, if they somehow play the Islanders or, I don't know, they, 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 you got to tip your hat off to them. I mean, to beat Colorado and to beat – Vegas back to back that's mighty mighty impressive that really is and good for them and good for Jim Neal I mean a lot of people know Jim obviously from being assistant general manager to Kenny Holland here with the Red Wings Mm -hmm. done a great job in Dallas they've been very consistent since he's been there and now they've finally taken this next step and reached the final so great drafting they've couple of some of those kids they've drafted the last few years are contributing big time it's a good organization and yeah i'm happy for jim nell nice job there you mentioned the other series ted tampa bay they can advance to the final tonight for the first time in five years they lead the islanders three games to one if those two teams meet in the final you'll be publishing a story you've been making predictions of course throughout the playoffs but you figured Tampa, as you just said, would they be the clear favorite if they got through either tonight or, you know, game six? Uh, how- I would think so at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Mark, but I just, I just think it might be Tampa's time. I think they've really t- seems, seems like they've slayed a lot of monsters, a lot of slayed, slayed a lot of dragons here in these playoffs. So many bad memories and reach obviously last year's, four-game sweep to Columbus in the first round. I mean, that must have been nightmarish for them, but they've overcome that beating Columbus in the first round there. I think it's time. It's their time, but the only, the only thing I'm hesitant about, boy, the New York Islanders, until you mm-hmm. put them away, they're kind of, I guess, a little bit of Dallas there. Until you put the Islanders away, right. just, I don't know, I, until they do that, and then we can talk about the finals, but something about the Islanders, boy, they're just not going to go away easily, I don't think. But yeah, at this point, you got to figure Tampa is going to be the favorite. I mean, what's your feeling? 
Tampa for sure, absolutely. Uh, Kadobin will keep it close again if he can if he can stop like 95, 96% right. of the shots. They don't get a lot of chances. You wonder how they do it. Uh, Jim Neal, like you said, has built this team. And, you know, they they took players like Foxa and Hintz and Gary Onoff, all like they're all six foot three big forwards. And, and, and then you added all the veterans, like you said, and Haskinen back on defense. And, and, and it certainly has worked out. So I can see them trying to hang around for a while. And, you know, maybe if somebody like Sagan, who has just two goals and is minus two in the playoffs, if all of a sudden he was able to contribute a few more goals, he's playing good defense. And My only reservation about Tampa, I sure would like them even a lot more with a healthy Braden Point. If they don't sure. have a healthy Braden Point, or if he's, well, for sure, if he's not playing, that scares me a little bit, kind of puts a little bit of reservation in there, but they might get Stomkos back. And if they get Stomkos back, you would think that would help, obviously help, like, although he hasn't played this entire tournament so i don't know yeah but they still have so much there on that that energy line of theirs is playing so well vasilevsky's playing well mm-hmm. so yeah I'd, I'd, I'd go with tampa but again until they put away the islanders boy that the islanders team is still so persistent should be a heck of a finals though i don't know how many people are, are watching at this point with the nfl starting and the NBA basically in their final two and baseball is in the college football and who knows what's going to happen with the big 10. It seems like the NHL is way back in the background, but it is good hockey. It has been good hockey. And I think the finals is going to be good hockey. Okay. That wraps up the uh, first part of the podcast. We'll come back later and look at the NHL awards and your ballots who you pick to win some of these awards. But first let's hear from Saginaw center Cole Perfetti. Joining us now is 18-year-old Cole Perfetti, a center with the Saginaw Spirit, the second-leading scorer in the OHL, a top-10 prospect for the NHL draft on October 9th and 10th, and a possible draft pick of the Red Wings. Cole, welcome to the podcast. I talked with your Saginaw GM, Dave Drinkle, about your Michigan connections, playing up in Saginaw, of course, instead of the University of Michigan, your relationship with Red Wings Director of Amateur Scouting, Chris Draper. And let's start there, Cole, your relationship with Chris Draper and his son, Keenan. How far back do you guys go? We go way back, I think. Um, you know, playing minor hockey, like spring and summer hockey, um, mm-hmm. turned in Toronto. Um, you know, I want to say when me and Keenan were 12 and 13, maybe goes back, you know, six, five, six years around there. Uh, maybe even earlier, could have been earlier. Um, but yeah, we were just you know, play a lot of spring tournaments together. Um, sure. That's kind of where I met, uh, you know, got to meet the Drapers and, and kind of build that relationship. And then, um, you know, we were, we played together and, and stuff like that. And then once I went to Saginaw, um, you know, my billets are good friends with the Drapers and, and that relationship started to grow even more. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've known Keenan and, and the Draper family for a long time and, um, you know, they're great people and, and, uh, you know, Keenan's a great kid and, um, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of fun playing with him growing up, and um, it's, it's been nice to have that relationship over the last, uh, you know, five, six, seven years. Cool. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned from, from Chris Draper, who is in a very important role now, his first full year as the Red Wings uh, Director of uh, Amateur Scouting, taking over under Steve Eiserman, 
whose first hire back in Tampa Bay when Iserman began there was Al Murray, who built that team that we're watching in the playoffs right now with, with their really successful draft strategy. So now Chris Draper's in charge. But I'm wondering what are some of the things you've learned from him over the years? Yeah, I've learned lots. Um, you know, having a relationship with that kind of guy, um, you know, you, you learn lots just by listening to the conversation he has and, and, and what he talks about. And, um, you know, the one thing I kind of learned and, and it stuck with me is, is, you know, how important work ethic is. And, and even when no one's watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, he kind of said um, during the year that, you know, there's going to be someone out there that's working harder than you, that's better than you, more skilled. And, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're working the hardest and being the, um, you know, most dedicated and giving yourself the best opportunity. Um, you know, you see his career and it speaks for itself. You know, he's, you know, world champion, Stanley Cup champion. Um, you know, he did it all. And, um, you know, a big part of that was because of how hard he worked and, and his determination and, um, you know, his off-ice work ethic, his on-ice, everything he did was um, to become a champion and to be, you know, um, a perfectionist. And, you know, I kind of learned throughout the years playing with him as a coach and, and just, you know, talking with him at mm-hmm. dinner with my build, stuff like that, that he, you know, really, you know, it's really important to um, make sure that you're, you're working as hard as possible and, and, and giving yourself the best opportunity because at the end of the day, no matter how skilled you are, if you're not working hard, it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be the most um, talented or you're not going to be the most successful. Um, so I just kind of learned those kind of things with, with how hard you have to work. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a true professional and, and just seeing how he goes about his day, about his life, you know, he's, we go up to the cottage with my billets and <laughs> he's the, he, he's running up the hill, working out like a maniac and you know, he's not even playing and he's been retired for, you know, whatever, a, a while. And he's still, you know, pushing the, pushing the pace and making sure that, you know, he's setting a good example and, and working his, his hardest to, um, and he's not even playing. So it goes to show how, you know, his, his mindset and, and how he attacks the game. Cole, you mentioned the uh, perfectionism and, and you sound very grateful that you have somebody like this teaching you about what it takes. Uh, Chris Draper, a four-time Stanley Cup champion, almost 1,200 games, uh, regular season games, another 222 in the playoffs. I looked up his one year with the Ottawa 67s in 1990-91. He was averaging a point per game there, but then found his role. And I guess it, it, if it comes from him, somebody who says just how difficult it is that there are players working hard, that when you're not working, somebody else is. And there's only 800 jobs in the world in your profession. There's only so many positions, which is really interesting. So, again, I guess I'm just asking you maybe any other insights into 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 what he's telling you that it might resonate a little bit more. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, last year I – went to a new trainer and it was, his name's Peter Renzetti. And this is, you know, Chris's guy that, you know, he, Oh, okay. He, he is, uh, he gives a lot of credit to how Chris's career went um, because of Pete um, and his off ice workouts and stuff like that. So I, uh, he's actually just 10 minutes from my hometown. So I, I go to him every day um, and it's, it's, it's crazy workouts, super hard. It makes you really, you know, it puts your, your mind to the test if you really want to be successful. And, um, you know, Drapes just said going into it to, to you know, to attack every day with the positive mindset, work your hardest. Um, you're only going to get – you're going to get out what you give it, put in, sorry. 
Um, so, you know, give your all and, and it's going to repay you and, 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 um, you know, give you more benefits. So I think, um, you know, it was a good, it's been good two years with, with, um, Peter Renzetti and, and working out there. And, um, but yeah, you know, Mr. Drape always said that, you know, when you're resting, when you're not doing, um, when you're not working, there's someone else in the world that is, and, um, you know, they're getting better and, and they're getting that much closer to one of those jobs. So, um, that kind of always sticks in my head. I talked to a Dave Drinkle about uh, Chris Draper and the decision that he and Steve Eisenman and the scouting staff will have to do um, with, with the fourth overall pick. And, and, uh, and Dave made it very clear that if they do pass on you, if, if you haven't been selected, if you're a top 10 prospect, but if, if you're still there and they don't take you, that you'll understand your family. They may have different organizational needs. Uh, this may not be falling into place. They may need, uh, they may need a defenseman. And I just wonder what you think about as far as your close relationship with the, with the family and, and the pressure that he's under too, to make the right pick on, on one hand, Dave Drinkle said, there's probably nobody uh, Cole that knows you as well, which is clearly a positive other teams see you play Dave said, and, and they, they want to know what you're like off the ice, your character and all the things that, that you're learning now as you get uh, you're preparing for your third OHL season and possibly the NHL. But I'm, I'm wondering what your, your thoughts are about the position that he's in. And uh, I've asked all the uh, top uh, picks, uh, Byfield, Stutzel, Drysdale, Sanderson, and Raymond. I'd also like your thoughts on, on possibly being picked by Detroit. And if you're not, what that means as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's a business. And you've got to understand that um, you know, each, each team has needs and they need to do what's best for them and going forth. Are going forward, sorry. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you gotta, you just got. I'm just hoping that you know what I did throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my personality off the ice. You know, what I bring on the ice speaks for itself. And and I hope that I made a big enough impact uh, going forward for them to, you know, for it to be a no brainer for them. Um, you know, I think it's every kid's dream to be drafted as high as possible, and um, you know, go go to an organization like the Red Wings would be unbelievable. Um, but at the end of the day, I just want to go. Um, where it's a right, a good fit, um, you know, where they believe in me. And, um, you know, if it is the Red Wings, that'd be, you know, amazing and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, dream come true. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no hard, uh, no hard feelings. And I understand that, um, you know, they got to do what's right for them. And, and, and it's a business and, and they're looking to, you know, make the most successful team. And if they don't think I'm in, in a position to, you know, give them the best chances, then so be it. Um, you know, there's, there's other teams out there that, you know, are, are great. And, and, and I would love to play for. So, um, you know, it would be an amazing opportunity and, and feeling to be drafted by the Red Wings. But I think at the end of the day, there's, there's so many, I mean, any team in the NHL is, mm-hmm. um, you know, would be an honor and, and, and amazing to play for. So, um, you know, I just hoping that I, I can, you know, go as high as possible and, um, you know, hopefully my play and, and, and my personality will, uh, you know, speak for itself. Cole, earlier you mentioned the uh, the Billet family up in Saginaw, uh, one of the partners with the team, Brendan Bordeaux and his son Cooper. And your family growing up in the Whitby area, just outside Oshawa, your parents were uh, were Billets as well with uh, three different players, at least three different players. So you saw what that relationship was like. But I wonder what your relationship is like with someone like Cooper having gone through what he sees as well. Uh, because you grew up in a, in a family with, with players, uh, you know, Memorial Cups 
and game nights and what it was like. Uh, so could you talk a bit about uh, what that's like uh, in, a, in, a, in a new family, which maybe a lot of our listeners aren't familiar with, where players you know, leave home and then have these families that take care of them. And, um, but tell me a little bit about Cooper and, and how that kind of brings back what you were doing when you were younger. Yeah, well, my, my, my billet family, the Bordeaux's are, you know, some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful to be with them. And, um, you know, I really lucked out to, you know, have such great people in my life. You know, they really are. I consider them my second family and, um, mm. you know, only took a couple of days for me to be completely normal after I moved in. And, and now when I go back, um, you know, it's just a, nothing ever happened. It's completely normal. And, you know, we're a really close group and, um, you know, being able to hang out with Coop, it's, it's a lot of fun. He's a great kid and, you know, he loves the game and his passion for hockey's ridiculous. I mean, he's got, we got a hockey rink in the backyard and it runs from like November to like March. And every night after he gets his homework done, he's out there from like 8.30 to 10.30, just, you know, lights come on, music goes on and he just stick handle, shoot, skates around. And it's pretty, you know, he loves the game and, um, you know, it's a lot of fun getting out there with them. You know, having billets in my life when I was young was really good. You know, I, I know how it felt when they asked me to do things, when they'd say, hey, let's go play mini sticks, video games, basketball, sure. whatever the case may be. You know, it made me feel special. And, and uh, you know, it really made my day every time they asked. Um, so now that I know how, you know, how I was feeling um, when I was that age, it makes it me understand that, um, you know, I want to go hang out with Coop. I want to make him happy, make his day, you know, make him feel special. And, um, you know, hopefully I do that when I, when we, you know, we have some pretty good, we have some heated battles on the ping pong table. <laughs> um, we, we come up with all these mini games on the rink. Um, you know, we like to play some video games together, whatever it is, you know, he's a great kid and he's a lot of fun to hang out with and he's pretty competitive. So it kind of, it makes it fun. You know, he's not just going down there and, yeah, on the ping -pong yeah. table and just messing around. We're playing for real. And, um, you know, he, he's going hard celebrating when he wins and, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. So it, it makes it, it makes it great having people and, and, and a kid like that and that I can, you know, hang out with, but especially the, um, you know, my bill of parents, you know, what they do for me goes, doesn't go unnoticed and they're, you know, they're great people and I can't thank them enough. Cool. Another person that I asked Dave Drinkle about was, uh, your grandfather, Angelo senior, and uh, we went back to the uh, University of Michigan trip, I believe. No, we went back to the Saginaw trip when I believe your grandfather came with you. And just how important um, of a role that, that, that he's played in your life. Uh, Dave said he's had a huge influence, along with your parents, of course. But sometimes a grandfather is just a little bit different. And I, I just wonder what your thought process was. You had the University of Michigan commit. And you're not the first person to go to the OHL and other players do both. So it's not one is better than the other. But could you talk a bit about your grandfather and that role, that two-month period where uh, your family went up to Saginaw for the first time, your parents are there, you're meeting, you know, you're meeting Dave and the staff and Chris Lazari and everyone else. So maybe you could talk about your grandfather and what that period was like when you made the decision to play in the OHL instead of uh, the Wolverines down the road here at Yost Arena. Yeah, I think, well, first off, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to have two parents and a sister that are very supporting of me and, and uh, you know, so, so helpful with, with my path and my career. Um, you know, I couldn't do anything without them and, and, you know, they're, they're 
they're truly my biggest fans and, and my biggest supporters and they do whatever it takes for me and sacrifice mm. so much. I can't thank them enough. Um, and then all my grandparents, you know, they all make the trips down to Saginaw when I go to, you know, home games, they're all there, they're watching every game on TV. So they're, they're all really, really interested. And, and, you know, the support from them is, is amazing. And, um, but yeah, my nono, he's always had a passion for the game. Um, you know, my nono is my grandfather. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's always <laughs> had a passion for the game. Um, and he's been, you know, ever since I was little, when I was in kindergarten, he was taking me, we had half days in kindergarten for school and he would take me in the morning to go to the rink and, mm-hmm. uh, learn to skate and stuff like that. And then go to school afterwards. So, he's been a big, big part of my hockey career and he's still, you know, he doesn't miss a game, whether he's in the, in the stands or he's in, uh, you know, watching at home, he loves it. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's his passion in life and what he lives for. I think, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, um, you know, he loves my hockey and uh, I can't thank, you know, him along with all my grandparents and, yeah, yeah. you know, my entire support group, everyone's so amazing. And, um, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed how much support I get and, and it wouldn't be possible without all of them. And how about that Michigan decision then? Um, you've commented before that you, you, you were intending to go, of course. Uh, you're one of the top um, students in the Ontario Hockey League in the CHL. You were named the Scholastic Player of the Year, the Bobby Smith Award. He was one of the top students and, 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 uh, and had a very successful NHL career, a uh, 93 average. Looking back now at your decision, uh, obviously things have worked out. Uh, Quinn Hughes was at uh, Michigan at the time, and there were a lot of really good players, obviously, at one of the top programs. Looking back, everything worked out, but what were you thinking back then, Cole? Yeah, I think, you know, it was definitely a tough decision to make going from, you know, picking the, you know, being, being committed to an NCAA program and then um, having to make the decision to go to the OHL. It was a tough one, but um, you know, I, when I committed to the University of Michigan in the the fall of 2018, I had full, mm-hmm. you know, full intentions of going, you know, school has been very important to me and my family, my entire life and still is. Um, and I wanted to, uh, you know, go to the University of Michigan, play hockey there, get an amazing degree and, um, you know, play college hockey. Um, and I was in love with that. And then once the OHL came around, got drafted, um, started deciding where I was going to play my first year of junior. I started to, you know, think is, is this going to be best for my hockey career? Um, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I got to do what's best for my hockey. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to become a professional hockey player and mm-hmm. play in the NFL. And, um, you know, the, the college route is a great route for many kids and it suits, you know, so you see so many kids coming out of college hockey now and making an impact in the NHL. Um, personally for me, I thought that the, CHL and Saginaw was going to be the, the best route. Um, and, you know, it was a tough decision to make, but I think at the end of the day, it was the right decision for me. Um, you know, it was the best decision I've ever made as, and, and that my family's ever made as a group. Um, you know, I wouldn't be in the position that I am today if I still was going to college. You know, I would, I would still just be – I'd be going into my freshman year this year and um, mm. would be playing in the OJ or HL or the CJHL this year. and. Um, I just don't think I would have been in the same, you know, category as I am now. And I think the the spirit, the OHL really prepared me um, and, and put me in a position to succeed. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for, for that. And, um, but yeah, I think it was the best decision I've ever made. It was a tough one, but it, it was a good mm-hmm. one for sure. 
Cole, I also talked to Dave Drinkel about your foundation off the ice. A lot of players may not want to discuss things like that that often, but but Dave said that that you feel like the Saginaw folks have, have paid their hard-earned dollars. You respect that, that you wanted to help out kids in the hospital in tough times. Uh, money is donated. I believe there's like an iPad game there now to help out a lot of kids. You'll You'll sign autographs, you're there, your name's involved, you have lots of support with the foundation, the team. What are your thoughts now going into another year, perhaps, of, of, of this foundation and your goals for this year? Yeah, so it's called, uh, it's called Fets Friends, um, and it, it's a foundation that you know, myself, the Spirit Foundation, my Bill of Family, and my, my family mm-hmm. came up with, and um, it's for it's to raise money and, and to give support to the pediatric center at Covenant Kids Hospital in Saginaw. Okay. Um, and we decided to you know help sick kids. We've always I've always had a soft spot there. You know I've been grateful and and, and fortunate enough to have um, you know good health growing up. And you know there's just you know there's many kids out there in life that aren't uh, that don't have that chance. And you know it, it breaks my heart and it, it's it's hard to see you know little kids going through hard times and, and being super sick and, um, not being able to live their life as a kid, um, that you're supposed to. And, and it's, it's definitely hard to see. And I've always want, once I got to Saginaw after a couple months, I saw the support and the, and the mm-hmm. kind of people we have in that town. I wanted to give back and, and, uh, you know, start a charity or, or something like that to, you know, give back to the community and, and let them know that we're grateful and, and we're, we're thankful for them. Um, and I thought this would be a good way helping with the pediatric center. And it's something that, you know, resonates with me, touches home. And, um, I think it's, uh, it's been, it's been successful so far. We've raised, we raise a lot of money through game worn jerseys, auctions, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. we, the, the iPad that we, it's like a, it's essentially an iPad, but it's just massive. It's like three feet long, okay. like two feet wide. Like it's a massive <laughs> iPad that's in the waiting room at the pediatric center kind of gives kids a, a little time and space to, uh, you know, kind of be a kid for a little bit, get their mind off being in the hospital, have some fun, play on the games, um, and just be a kid. Um, you know, they don't get to do that a lot in the hospital. So I think allowing them to play on this big gaming system, it does, um, to, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, we've done a lot of things and, um, I'm not sure, you know, we're going to do some more giving back, doing more hospital visits. Um, I'm not sure what the future in five, 10 years holds. Hopefully, sure. hopefully it's going to grow and grow and, um, you know, further once my career, my career furthers, um, you know, I can continue to grow this to be a, a massive charity, but that's the goal. Um, but for, for right now, just, you know, keep, keep giving back to the Saginaw community, um, being able to, you know, go back to the hospital, raise money and stuff like that. And, and just, you know, keep, keep it a little smaller for now. And then once my career continues um, to grow and escalate this to a bigger, bigger level. Another uh, Michigan angle, uh, Cole, is uh, Albin Grue, uh, the Swedish forward who will be joining the team this year. And most likely, you'll be back uh, in Saginaw. Only three players from this previous draft really played in the NHL. That will still be your goal, of course, no matter where you get drafted. But uh, Hughes... Kako and Doc were three players who who made it. And so even talking to someone like your friend, Jamie Drysdale, like he knows he would like to make uh, a team and, and, and perhaps help out like a Cal McCarr right away. But he also knows he may 
be going back. So if you do go back and you do get a chance to, uh, to be a teammate or even a line mate of this Swedish player who Steve Eisenman took with the third in the third round, like a very important draft choice, a very competitive player. You probably heard about the trash talking and the T-Rex and, and this competitive player who, uh, who's, who, who likes to play like, uh, Brad Marchand. I'm just wondering, you probably haven't had a chance to meet Albin yet, but I just wonder what your thoughts are about the Red Wings and this player coming into this environment. Uh, you'll be in your third year and, you know, one of the senior players there. Yeah, I'm excited. When I found out that we drafted him, I knew exactly who he was. If, um, and that was uh, an amazing pickup for us. Um, you know, I, I looked up his stats right after and he brings that mixture of grit um, mm-hmm. you know, but, but he also has that skill and, you know, he can skate and, um, you know, being a third rounder to their wings, there's obviously, you know, he's a very important piece into their, their, um, franchise and into their future. Um, and being able to play with him, you know, I texted him right after he, he was drafted <laughs> and he couldn't wait to get down here. He was all excited and, um, you know, super thrilled to be picked and, and, and couldn't wait for the season to start. So, um, you know, I'm excited to play with him. Um, and I think he's going to be a, hell of a player in the league and a, and a, a force. So, you know, I think a lot of kids are going to be scared of him coming in, you know, um, but he's also going to be a crazy skilled guy and, and be mm-hmm. able to make those plays. So I think that's a, a mixture that we need and say, you know, right now to bring that grit, that toughness in and to continue our, our style of play with the fast paced skill. I think he can, he brings it all. And, um, you know, I'm super excited to play with him and, and can't wait to get the season going and hopefully, you know, be able to become line mates, whatever the case may be, just be able to play with him and, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, see him, you know, play in the North America style. And, um, you know, I'm really excited for it. Cool. The, uh, OHL season is tentatively scheduled to start like uh, December 1st and there's all kinds of, uh, uncertainty of course. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about, uh, trying to bring a championship, uh, a Western conference title, the Wayne Gretzky trophy, uh, uh, your your club came close, losing in Game Seven um, against the eventual uh, champions from Guelph in the 2019 playoffs. That's 17 years. This would have been 18 years in Saginaw, and the and the club clearly is getting better and better. And, and you're a step away. I want to go back though to how you handled Game Seven. What did you learn from that game? That excitement of being one step away from the first title in 17 years. Yeah, it was a tough, tough game. You know, you lead up 3-1 and then, you know, losing three in a row. Um, it goes to show you how tough it is to win in the OHL. It goes to, goes to show you how tough it is to close a series out um, and how good the Guelph Storm were that year. They had a lot of high-end players and they just came in waves. And, um, you know, definitely it, it stung, you know. It, the, the biggest thing was how fast, you know, I learned – it was my rookie year, and mm-hmm. I talked to. Him, I was thinking to myself after the game, like, "Man, like, I have four more years to eligible." But you see, the guys you built friendships with the entire year become brothers with, and it's their last season. That was their last game in the OHL, and they're, you know, it's emotional. They're crying. There's tears. Um, it's the last time they're ever wearing a, a junior hockey jersey, and and they're they're moving on with their life. Um, and it's it's emotional time, and um goes to show you how how valuable each game is and in your time in the ohl and as a hockey player it's 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 uh it comes and goes quick um but it was there was a lot a lot to learn on the ice you know the, the atmosphere was crazy um 
you know, I think the building was over capacity. I think it fits like 5,700 and there were like <laughs> 6,000 people in there. Standing room was packed. So it was, uh, it was a ridiculous atmosphere and I've never seen the Dow event center, um, you know, bumping so much. I've never seen it. The roof felt like it was going to come down. It was pretty, pretty cool. And, um, to be able to play in that and it was, uh, you know, only if we would have won, it would have been a lot better, but, um, mm-hmm. it was a good experience and a good taste on my first, you know, every time being in the playoffs and, uh, it was, it was, it was awesome. But, uh, you know, obviously sucks that, um, you know, the way it ended, sure. but it was, uh, there was a lot to learn and, and it was a lot of fun. And Cole getting cut from the Canadian team, fueling the fire. Uh, Dave said it might've been the first time you'd been cut from a team, but he said that when you came back, uh, Dave didn't even have to talk to you. Uh, Chris did as the coach, but they weren't worried. You weren't going to pout. You were, came, you came back and you were averaging a couple points per game. And Dave said, your fire burns hot. And you showed everyone that, yeah, maybe you could have made the team. But could you speak to what you, now that you look back and you have another chance, maybe if you make the team and you play in Edmonton and Red Deer, how do you feel about not making the team? And and what role did that play in you coming back? Yeah, it definitely sucks. It's not fun to be, that was my first time being cut from a team. And it's not fun to be cut. Um, But there's a lot of learning experiences and a lot of, good things that come from failure and, and, and from success or from being cut. Um, I definitely think it fueled the fire for me. I came back hungry and, and wanting to prove everyone wrong that I should have been on the team. And, you know, I, my play really picked up after, you know, I came home, I think like December 14th and had a couple games going into the Christmas break and just, you know, played my game, played hard and, and, and tried to prove everyone wrong. And, you know, I think I had a, a strong, really strong couple games going into Christmas break. And then it never, never really let up. I just kept going from there, trying mm-hmm. to prove everyone wrong. And, um, I really, it was hard to watch, you know, being so close to making the team, watching them win a gold medal and thinking how close I could have been. Um, but you know, it was, uh, there was a lot of learning experiences and, um, you know, I think I'm going to take that for next year's for this year's camp. And, hopefully be able to make the team be, become an impact player, play a role that, that is important. Um, and um, at the end of the day, there, there was a lot to learn and it was a tough time, but I think it really fueled mm-hmm. me for the rest of the season and, and drove me to become the player that I am and um, to, you know, give it my all every single game and, and you know, just be the best player, be dominant on the ice at all times. And I think that's really, you know, what fueled it for the rest of the season. Cool. Just a few more uh, questions. Uh, I talked to Dave about your hockey IQ. And, you know, Dave went back to his Barry Colts days. Uh, he spent five years with Dale Howard, Chuck. In fact, uh, Dave was privileged to uh, talk to Dale called uh, um, Dave and just wished him all the best when, you know, in his final, in his final days. And, 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 and those five years were so important in, in your GM's uh, development. And they were talking about, Dale Howard, Chuck, coaching a player, Aaron Eckblad, um, now, of course, with the Florida Panthers, a number one overall pick. And in practice, um, even when Eckblad was really young, Howard, Chuck, would see some turnovers. And instead of getting mad at Aaron, oftentimes he would say, well, you guys weren't in the right place to receive the pass. And it's sometimes hard to tell others that, you know, Aaron maybe saw some plays, maybe that others didn't see. He also probably just turned the puck over. But his point was that, that it might even be easier for you down the road to, to play with players um, who can maybe see a few steps ahead of the, 
ahead of the play. And they didn't mean to say you don't have high-end players because you certainly do with uh, Saginaw. But my question would be then, when you come into the zone and you're thinking of ways and, and being creative, and I asked Jamie Drysdale what it was like facing you. He said it was so difficult because you'd be looking for the, like the second trailer, the third trailer, looking for holes and things. Could you give us a bit of an insight what happens when you, when you cross that blue line and you're in the offensive zone? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that vary depending on you know how many guys there are from by sure. myself. If there's two of us, if it's an odd man rush, three or four guys up. Um, but I think the first thing I look at is the gap of the D. If it's a tight gap, loose gap, you know, if it's tight, then I'm going to play it off his back hip. You know, try to create some space, wait for a trailer, okay. or you know, soft, soft, lay it, lay it in soft and go get it. Um, or you know, there's a lot of different variables. Kind of use a defender to screen to shoot. Um, but if it's a soft gap, you know, I can come in, give a move, shoot, you know, delay up the wall, create a lot of separation, wait for the third, fourth trailer. Um, I could delay, cut to the middle, you know, cross mm -hmm. and attack through there, um, slip it off the, the, the center drive off the defenseman's back hip, create that two on one. There's a lot of different things. And I think the big thing I look at is gap, how much time and space I have. Um, you know, what speed I have to attack at, um, you know, if it's a, a shorter gap, then, you know, I got to turn the, turn the boots on and get going and, and try to, sure. you know, make his feet turn, um, to create that separation. Um, but if it's a slower gap or, or a bigger gap then I can come in with a little bit of less speed and, um, you know, slow the game down and use my brain to, um, look around and wait for the open, open guy. Um, but I think honestly, it's, it's different every play the, the game so fast and, um, but yeah, I definitely think the gap in the speed that I need to come in at is the first thing I look at and kind of judge and base what I need to do after that. Cool. You've been talking a bit about your skating. Uh, Dave said that your straightaway speed is still good and that you don't have that, that speed that people see up in the stands, but it's very deceptive and that you, you make your way around. Your skating's above average. But he also said there are some people who say, well, I, I don't know if he's the, that great of a skater, how important that is. So what are your thoughts about how you've improved, according to Dave, dramatically, that explosiveness, getting where you want to be on the ice? Uh, is it a factor at all? Is it a fair uh, observation? Or is it something you're, can, you're always trying to improve? Um, maybe you could talk a bit about your skating. I mean, it's always something I'm going to try to improve. You see how fast the game's going nowadays and how important skating is. And sure. It's always going to be something that I'm looking to improve. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't blessed with those quick feet that, um, you know, the natural quick feet that, you know, guys like McDave and McKinnon, they have. I mean, they obviously work extremely hard on their skating. But at the end of the day, they were born with a uh, an ability to skate faster naturally than, than others. Um, and... You know, I don't have that. At the end of the day, I think I work very hard on my skating and um, my stride, my explosiveness in the gym. It's all geared toward toward um, my first three steps, my, um, you know, extension on my stride, powerful stride, stuff like that. Everything is geared toward becoming a better skater. And, you know, this summer has been very good for me and my, my skating's improved a lot. I've been doing the skating treadmill, um, back with my skating coach now. My workouts have all been or a lot of them have been, you know, um, to improve my lower body strength, my explosiveness, jumping, sprinting, stuff like that. That's all going to translate to the next or mm. to the ice. Sorry. Um, and it's, it's always gonna be something I work on. I definitely think 
you know, my edges down low are really, really good. My, my ability to turn off guys, spin off guys and, and, and use those edges. Um, I think I'm, I'm strong on my feet and, and not easy to knock off. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I don't have that breakaway speed that everyone is wowed by. Um, but I do think my skating is, is, is still good. You know, it's not, uh, you know, you know, blow your mind in the stands, but it's, I don't get caught from behind very often. And I don't, I'm not, you know, way behind the play and slow and, and slow and not being able to catch up. You know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's something that needs to be improved and it is, but, um, I also think it's, 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 you know, above average for sure on my, my straightaway speed. And, and any final thoughts, Cole, about uh, heading into the draft? It should have been like in late June. Um, now it's October. Those are things you can't control, of course. What are your thoughts about going into the draft and some goals and, 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 uh, and, and probably just wanting to move on, right, Cole? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the main goal is to eventually go to the next level, move to the NHL, and I want to do that as quickly as possible and, and put myself in a position to be successful. Um, you know, I, my goals for the draft to just, is to go as high as possible. Um, you know, hopefully I impress the team enough to do that, um, to go very high. And, um, that's my, and that's my main goal is to go very high and, and hopefully make the, make the jump next season. Obviously mm-hmm. it doesn't happen for a lot of guys to make that jump uh, as an 18 year old, but that's what I've been working for all summer. And, and that's what my mindset is, is that I'm going to make the jump. Um, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be a little disappointed that I didn't, you know, achieve my goal, but it's also, you know, it's going to, they're going to be doing what's best for me and my development. And, um, you know, I'm going to do whatever they, they want me to do, whatever the team wants me to do and, and, and give it my all and, and hopefully, um, you know, be successful and, and, and whatever it takes to get to the next level is, is what I want to do. Um, but yeah, the, I don't really have any expectations for the draft, any goal. I just want to go as high mm-hmm. as possible and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun night. Cool. Thanks for your uh, time today on the podcast, talking about your Michigan connections with uh, Chris Draper and his family, uh, Brendan Bordeaux, uh, being a large part of the Saginaw community and the work that you're doing off the ice, uh, maybe working with uh, or being on a line with uh, Alvin Gruet as well. And, and just letting folks know a little bit about uh, your career and, and uh, as you, you know, take the, the rest of the summer uh, preparing for the, upcoming season and you know you're probably right that probably is the right thing to do is 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 to try and if whoever drafts you that your goal should be to make that team even as an 18 year old so that's interesting so again thanks for your time today Cole and and all the best heading into the draft thank you very much I appreciate that and thank you for having me on I really appreciate it our thanks again to Cole Perfetti and now time for the NHL awards Normally, of course, the awards are handed out at the end of the Stanley Cup final, but this year, because of COVID, they've been revealing individual winners during pregames of these conference finals. And during the Stanley Cup final, the five biggest awards will be announced. Uh, One of the awards, Ted, that they handed out that you selected and you had uh, the winner on your ballot was the Selkie Trophy, which... Red Wings fans, that was a Pavel Datsuk award uh, that he continually won three times. You had Couturier of Philadelphia winning, and he did. He led the NHL in faceoff percentage, led all flyers, forwards, and ice time was plus 21. You had Couturier, Bergeron, O'Reilly, Mark Stone, Anthony Sorelli as your five people on your ballot. What do you think about that award? It's it's nice to see Sean Couturier get it. Uh, He's... 
I love the steady improvement he's had in his career. I mean, mm-hmm. there really is a steady progression there, and he was best two way best two way forward in the league this year. I felt. I mean, yeah, he, he certainly earned it. But there's so many good players there. I mean, apples and oranges. You got Patrice Bergeron. How can you not vote? I mean, I think most people would have been fine with Bergeron or Mm -hmm. a dark horse. There was actually Anthony Sorelli. I mean, he's probably going to win that award. Ultimately, he's another guy much like Couturier. He's progressing every year. And when we were just talking about the lightning here a few minutes ago, we didn't didn't even mention him. I mean, it just shows you the depth of that roster in Tampa. But yeah, Couturier, I thought he earned it. I mean, he had a very, very nice season and was a catalyst on that Flyers team. Some of the uh, big trophies uh, being handed out later this week into next week, the Hart Trophy MVP, you picked Dreisaitl, and then McKinnon, Panarin, McDavid, Pasternak. And in your notes, you said Dreisaitl, you know, he led the NHL with 67 assists. He had 110 points. 110. Uh, he was the only, I believe he was the only player in the league over 100, Mark, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah, the lone player. To By far, 100, 110. Yeah. And that, if I remember, McDavid was gone there for a period of a couple of weeks or whatnot, right in crunch time when you know they were teetering about whether to be whether they were going to make the playoffs or not. And Drysaddle basically carried that team. I mean, tough to vote against. He earned it, obviously. But then mm-hmm. again, there, I mean, how could uh, Nathan McKinnon? I mean, he could be the best all-around player in the world right now, maybe even better than McDavid. Uh, some great players. I mean, Artemi Pitnerin, what a job he did with the Rangers this year. But no, Dreisaitl, I mean, super job, super – the way he carried Edmonton. 110 points speak for themselves in today's NHL, the way this season went. So I think he'd be a worthy Hart Trophy winner. The uh, Norris Trophy, best defenseman. You've got Carlson winning, then Yossi, Peter Angelo, Hedman – and Jacob Slavin from Carolina. Carlson led all defensemen in scoring that great start in assists, 60 and points, both career highs. Um, what were your thoughts there, Ted, with, uh, with John Carlson winning? Again, so much. It just shows you yeah. the wealth of talent in the NHL. I mean, tough to knock any, discredit any of those defensemen, but Carlson just, you know, a little bit of an edge. I mean, every time I saw him, I thought he was, just with the, the eye test, I thought he was the best defenseman I saw this year. And then the way he put up points, he's a guy that's earned it. He, it seems like the Norris sometimes is for a body of work over a period of time. It just seems like that mm-hmm. sometimes. I think John Carlson's earned it, earned a chance to win a Norris trophy this year. Two more trophies, the Calder Trophy, Rookie of the Year, uh, close voting. You have McCarr, Hughes, Adam Fox, uh, Dominic Kubalik and then Mackenzie Blackwood. But why Makar over uh, Quinn Hughes, the former Michigan standout? I think Hughes is going to ultimately win it. But from the the regular season, I mean, I just the way he played against the Red Wings, <laughs> I tell you, Makar was fantastic. I mean, I think he's an excellent player. But my God, yeah. obviously, it's a flip of I mean, Quinn Hughes the way he played during the regular season, but then in the playoffs, he just took it to another level, but it is a regular season award. Those two are going to be mind boggling good here in the years ahead. I think I really do. I think it's going to be so fun to watch those two young kids. I gave it to my car, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. have, 
I just based essentially, I probably flipped the coin that particular day between those two. And finally, the Vesna Trophy, the best goaltender. You've got Commerce Township's Connor Hellebuck winning ahead of Rask, Bishop, Vaskaleski, and Price. Uh, Hellebuck very, was, I thought Hellebuck was yeah. a very valuable part of that Winnipeg. I mean, he, he was the backbone of that team. And you look at his stats, comparable, obviously, to anybody in the league. But he did the bulk of the work there and had a little – Took a little bit of a dip last season, but boy, he came back strong this year. And a couple of worthy candidates there, but I just give the edge to Hellebuck. And that'll do it uh, for today's podcast, the 35th edition. Our next podcast will be midway through the Stanley Cup final, likely the Stars against the Lightning, but the Islanders still have a chance, of course, as you were just saying. Our special guest next time will be Manon Riom, the only woman to play an NHL exhibition game, and now the girls' program director with Little Caesars Hockey in Detroit. So stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening, and Ted, we'll talk to you soon. See you then, Mark.